Hi there, welcome to another episode of GCS Connect Leaders Series. Um, we have Jake Kimber with us today. He's the head of TA and operations for Pixel United, which is one of the biggest uh, mobile gaming organizations uh, in the world. And um, it was one of our first conversations with people from that industry. Um, and it was really interesting to find out you know, how they have the universal problems that they have within talent, but also some that are very specific to the gaming industry, such as diversity, EVP, and how you brand yourself and how you build those global workforces. So if you're a person in technology, if you're a person in talent, or if you're interested in the gaming industry, I think this will be the episode for you. Hello there, Jake. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm great and uh, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you here and... Uh, you know, I know that you've been uh, speaking with Betty on our kind of connect team, so it's good to, to, to kind of get you involved. But uh, but yeah, so we've got, um, as I said, we've got Jake with us today from Pixel United, um, someone from the gaming industry, so I'm quite excited um, to kind of find out more about that. He's Director of TA and Operations, 13 years uh, in the industry, Director of TA and Operations for that organisation. Um, and I think for myself, Jake, it's, it's really great to have someone from this industry that is so, you know, um, it's very well known. It's obviously very profitable. Um, we're probably all that like, engaged with it, but I think it's a it's quite a closed shop in some ways, isn't it? You know, it's kind of you're either in it or you're not. So it's good to get a bit of an insight, I think, for the techies and the, the leaders that listen to this and to understand the world of gaming and how it's similar but also maybe how it's different to other technology industries. But I think before we start that, it's great to kind of understand a little bit about your role, what you do within the organization. And for those that don't know Pixel United, tell us a bit about the company. Certainly. Well, um, no, thank you for the introduction. So basically with Pixel United, we're more like a publisher. We're a collection of game studios. So we consist of three main brands, um, Product Madness, Clarium, and Big Fish, and they're all individual developers of mobile games. And actually, they, they also do self-publish as well, um, all within mobile gaming. So we're a mobile games publisher. Largest title is called Raid Shadow Legends, which is a top-grossing mobile game globally. You may have seen that put in front of you. Anyone that does any sort of gaming, <laughs> it's quite prevalent online. Um, so that's our biggest title. And basically, we are looking to build those games of the future to, to work with developers that to make a game it's very expensive. So even if mm. me and you sat down right now and we made the best game in the world, mm. if we didn't have the money behind very it, un- very unlikely, Jake. But uh, <laughs> well, from my side, know. yeah, <laughs> I could find know, the people but, um... that could do it. I guess that's that's that was why that would be my input. <laughs> well, that's just it as well. I mean, the, the, the sheer amount of people. So mm. so that's what we do. We we find these amazing ideas and we help to fund those as well. That's another part of, of our business. But we're looking to kind of be the, the future of gaming. We're one of the largest gaming providers globally and and certainly mm. in the UK. So in terms of that closed shop thing, definitely good to come back to that because I do find that that is a bit of a theme in gaming. Mm. You know, I've been in studios where it's if you're not from gaming, you can forget it. There's also yeah. quite a limited way to get in. Um, we talk a lot about diversity in gaming, and in some ways, I think the industry is really ahead of others. But mm. in other ways, we're not. And we demand pretty much everyone has a degree that comes in. Now, that's not every studio. I'm sure there'll be studios out there saying we don't do that. But but on the whole, yeah. that has been traditionally what we ask. And mm. it's from particular game universities, particular courses, no matter what the role is, whether it's quality assurance, whether it's you know development. Mm. Um, the only kind of roles really are the business type roles like me. I, I wouldn't have got in. in an, I couldn't be a developer or a designer in a game studio because I don't have the, the, yeah. the backing. Um, 
and I think that's something that that's a challenge for gaming as it goes forward. Um, it has the same challenges of tech. Everyone's scrabbling over this, what they say now, hyper-tight labor market. It kind of seems to add yeah. an extra word to it every time. <laughs> but we're in that same boat. But then we're closing the door even more. And mm. we're only looking at people from gaming. I think that's something that I, I really like about um, Pixel United. You know, we've hired people, a lot of um, people from other industries. And I think that's, mm. that's part of what we're looking to do to create that diversity and thought. But definitely, that's a, a big challenge for us. It's quite a closed shop sometimes. Um, you know, I think in other technologies, if, if somebody is a really, for example, strong programmer, mm. you'd be interested to talk to them no matter what they've worked on, whether they've been making you know, e-commerce or whether it's a banking yeah. system, whatever. But with gaming, it's not quite like that. And it can even be clicky down to the type of games, <laughs> but that's really level. like you know, strategy games or sporting games or, or yeah. whatever. Or, or like, know. oh, you've only done mobile, you couldn't do console, or you've only done right, VR, okay. you couldn't do. There's a lot of that as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I always think kind of, of like the technology industry in terms of talent is quite fractured. So when I, I mean, let's be honest, from a recruitment consultant's point of view, that's quite good because it creates niches, it creates specializations, it creates demand, it creates, creates you know, supply and demand, hmm. you know, problems for the user. But obviously that's why you kind of come into business because there's kind of high demand. But that's what makes it obviously interesting, isn't it? Because you see these technologies changing and moving and, you know, even though like you and me, we don't really understand what they do. But it's quite interesting to see those moves and understand. Oh, that's clever how they do this. You know, is that is that what kind of brought you into the to the talent world? Because I know obviously you kind of work as a recruiter. I think you worked yeah. uh, for a software company before. But you know, for you for you to see that move and change in those industries and uh, and is that that's what inter interested me initially. The same for yourself. Yeah, so I think with the talent industry, sadly, like um, I'm more of, as so many people say, I fell into it, you know, with that kind of yeah, promise yeah, of yeah. gold and riches <laughs> yeah. uh, back back when I started. But then what did draw me into wanting to come in-house and be part of that talent mm. space was when I was talking to these other people, you know, hiring managers, in-house mm. recruiters, HR people, and they were talking about what they were doing with their talent and the teams they were trying to build and the tasks they had and the problems they had to solve. And mm. that really interested me. And that's why I pretty quickly knew that I wanted to stay in that space and to, to move in that way um and then what moved me into the gaming industry was a you know a not very uncommon a very the childhood love of gaming which i think a lot of us sure. have yeah <laughs> um and that that drew me naturally into that space but yeah in terms of the talent initially it wasn't something i thought of and i'd come in for that sort of traditional fell in route but but then from there i really got to see actually that it, it supported a lot of things that, are, that i have found interesting mm. i think it's fascinating looking at how businesses grow their talent how you know we always use these buzzwords like workforce planning and mm. uh, you know resource planning but actually when you really break down what do you need what's the future of the business what's the market what's the mm. talent even coming through what do they want these challenges yeah. are really interesting and that's what really kind of brought me in and, and and moved me more towards i suppose more of a kind of talent talent role as opposed to sort of pure attraction mm. and what are the kind of key challenges is, is we talk a lot in the leader series about being leaders you know and we've had many fantastic talent people on, on, on the podcast. What are the key challenges? Because when, when you come into a company or when you're running your kind of budgets, what are the key challenges that you encounter? Yeah, I think the, I encounter many of the challenges that we all do. You know, there's not enough mm. talent. We can't hire them fast enough. Mm. We're not paying enough, all of these things. But actually, I think, and this is another one that does come up quite a lot, 
it's about that bit of a cliche phrase seat at the table, but I think it's getting buy-in from business more importantly. That's always yeah. the biggest challenge I find when you're banging your head against a brick wall, you're being asked to do something. Usually it's a number, right? We need to hire X amount of people and we need to do it in this amount of time. And when you go back with a forecast, that's not that, mm. but explaining other ways to get to that target, that can be a challenge. You know, when maybe the, the challenges I face, for example, I would say, well, there isn't enough senior talent that is that that we can attract but we could look for the future and look at some future talent maybe we could look at an academy maybe we could look at uh, apprenticeships there are other mm. ways to go about this and then in 12 months time 18 months time you'll be set up i know business doesn't always work like that sometimes you have to be sorry to use this word more mm. agile you've got to move a little bit more quickly <laughs> but i think a lot of the time it's, it's getting businesses to to kind of really trust ta i still think there is that issue mm. with a lot of businesses where there isn't that trust where we feel that you know everyone's an expert in recruitment, right? You'll get silly things, even down to a minutiae of hiring managers saying, oh, have you posted the job on Reed? And you're like, oh, never thought of that. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I think yeah. everyone's an expert in TA, right? Everyone. Like, mm. I wouldn't be able to tell the dev the best architecture, the best framework for a system mm. they're making. Even in just saying that, you can tell I know nothing about what I'm yeah. talking about there. Um, but everyone's an expert in TA. And I think that's it's trying to get that buy-in and to get people behind um and, kind of what you're what you're yeah. looking to do and i suppose and, the major just way to kind of, yeah sorry i mean just to kind of like kind of chip in there i think obviously in my career i worked for two years as a service delivery manager so i was on site yeah. with a company obviously well-known it systems integrator called cap gemini mm -hmm. and and yeah. that really showed me a lot of the difference between external and internal and i think what you're talking about there is you know the trust, but it's also the, the reliance on TA. Because what I found what was quite interesting for me is as an external recruiter, obviously leader recruitment business, is if I'm not going to work that position, I decide not to work that position. Yeah. Whereas a TA or like well, I was service delivery manager, mm -hmm. the person is responsible for bringing the people into the company. Like the key challenge yeah. is you can't walk away from that, can you? That's one thing you can't like we need this person to do the job yeah. and then a lot of your role is solutions which obviously makes it quite interesting but also quite challenging do, is that what you found because that's i mean i obviously left it so i wasn't very good at finding coming up with the challenges and solutions but is that what you, you know i guess you spend a lot of your time thinking about that how will we do this definitely because um, yeah. i find especially in the market we have at the moment a lot of providers and agencies and mm. what you know recruitment support partners can turn around and say we're not working that because it's they just you know that it's not mm. possible you're getting asked to find something that isn't going to happen and mm. it's a waste of your time and i wouldn't even beat about the bush about saying waste of time and i like actually that mm. a lot of agencies do come out now and go no you, you're giving me the roles you're giving me are the ones that aren't you know other aren't possible mm. so yeah. i think in terms of finding those solutions that is kind of the real challenge of being in-house. And I think a lot of it is to do with data and mm. you've really got to back up what you say. So if you're going to go into a, a room where you're with the business leaders, mm. I always make sure I'm as prepared as I can be with all the data at hand um, to really prove a, the point you have, whether that's industry research or whether that's historic data. You know, mm. We were demanding we wanted to hire a certain amount number of senior developers um, at one of the businesses I was working for. Mm. And... Um, we showed that our current traje trajectory, can't say that word, um, yeah. you know, we'd, we'd interviewed 100 developers and hired one. And then on the next wow. slide, we had here a load of the people that rejected all at our direct competitors. So, hey, I don't think they were that bad. They're hiring them. These people are good. Yeah, Maybe yeah. we yeah. need to look at the bar a little bit. But it's really hard. If I just went to a room and said, we need to lower the bar on hiring, they go, well, no, we have a high standard of quality. 
Mm. It's for you to find the right people when yeah, sometimes yeah. there are different solutions. And I think that's that's the challenge there. Do we really need a super senior person? Does this person have to have X, Y, Z experience? Mm. How many times do we look at a job spec and say, well, if I found you someone that had X, Y, but didn't have Z, would you take them? Mm. And a hiring manager or a business leader says, well, of course, that would be great. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're working to a brief that's way too specific. And that's, again, at quite a minutiae detail. That can be a much broader scale, for example, in gaming, demanding people that come from a specific type of game or mm. specific area um, or and not planning for the future. So, yeah, that solutions piece is definitely a really, mm. that's the kind of exciting challenge, I think. Of being and then the other thing that I always found and find is obviously the process as well, you know, because... Because one of the things you, you find as well is when you're working in talent or in recruitment is that people are too busy to hire, probably because they haven't yep. got enough people, so they're too busy to hire. So what, what, when, when you look at like the process and the, you know making sure that if you find that one in 100 person that you're going to give them the best possible candidate experience, so what is your, what is your you know, go-to kind of methodology for making sure that you can kind of get people through as quickly as possible, get people interested? Yeah, so a lot of that comes through, um, again, the buy-in at the start of the process mm. with the managers, almost down to an SLA. And I've, I've gone that far in some companies and not in others. Some I haven't needed to. Um, yeah. Some I've been lucky where, and in, in the current you know, organization I've worked in, I, I, with, with Product Madness, which is one of our business mm. units, you know, I'd had a business leader that would sit in the room with the senior leadership and say, hiring is all of your priority. And if you don't hit the target, I'm not coming to shout at point at me. I'm going to come to all of you. Yeah, and yeah, then suddenly, yeah. guess what? Those hiring teams are driven. They're mm. motivated. So, hey, get the, the buy-in from the business. If it really is a crucial um, a crucial yeah, yeah. goal for the business to mm. hire these people, then it, it's got to come from everyone. You can't just you know blame a TA team. They're a mm. part of that, obviously a big part of that, but they're not everything. Usually a process is moving too slowly because of other things. You know, Unless you're looking and there, is no, there are no candidates in that front of that funnel, there are no profiles coming in there, there's no one interested, then that's you know, that sits with TA or yeah. all the requirement. Um, so, so that would be one thing is first, I actually try and go right to the top and get that whole ethos in the business that hiring is important. And the hiring managers realize they can't just go into a meeting and go, oh, I haven't had any CVs because they know I'm going to pull up a report or one of my recruits is going to pull up a report yeah. that shows that's not true. And that's kind of what happened in the dev situation. You know, we had a report, well, you've had a hundred people here and the, the, the suddenly the, you know, the senior leaders thinking, right, hang on, why aren't my team hiring? So that's mm. number one. And then number two, you can go down to a minutia level of actually having an agreed SLA. So mm. it's literally, we send you a CV in this amount of time. You give us feedback in this amount of time. And that can actually be driven by an ATS that has those checkpoints mm. and drives that. I prefer not to have to go that far because I think you shouldn't have to do that. I prefer to go that first route of actually having the whole business buy. It's, it's, it's hearts and minds, isn't it? You know, it's hearts yeah. and minds. That's, mm. that's the key thing, mm. I think, for me that if you've got people that believe and agree with you, then you can move that forward. I guess sometimes as well, you have certain managers that are you know, moving with the process and therefore getting like the best candidates. And you can probably use that bit of data. Well, you know, exactly. Sarah responds quickly and funnily enough, Sarah's team yeah. is the best recruited for, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's a great yeah. example as well with, uh, you know, showing the teams that are doing that. And it's, it's you know, it's funny, isn't mm -hmm. it? The ones that are really engaged are the ones that hire the best people and hire, you know, the quickest way and build their teams and yeah. find, you know, find those best people. So when you kind of, you know, think about those solutions that you come up with, you know, because, you know, when it comes to the, the industries and the companies, you know, everyone's dealing with the same, mm -hmm. we talk a little bit about the gaming industry, but every company, like you said, is mm -hmm. hyper, hyper, restricted kind of talent universe 
every company is struggling to find the right people. Mm. And I find that's even more now that like you'd think in this industry where there's lots of layoffs, then basically it's going to be even easier. But what we find is obviously people will get a lot, lot more, you know, nervous to move, don't they? So you have to tap, yeah. tend them out more. So what, what do you think, what, you know, what, what do you think are the, 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 the most important solutions to, to show? What, what, how, how will you move the dial, you know, with, with, with these types of, in, in, you know, other than just obviously speaking to GCS, I saw everything out. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, you're, you're right with this challenge. And I think firstly as well, obviously a lot of the big tech companies are laying off tens of thousands of people. But the shortage is millions. There is a shortage in talent. Yeah. There's more millions. So when you have a hiring manager saying, "But but Twitter let ten thousand people go," yeah, yeah, great. That doesn't that hasn't moved. Yeah. And some of those are customer service, and some of those yeah. are operational, exactly. and some of those it are in, wasn't all well, Indonesia yeah. or something. <laughs> exactly yeah. that. So I think that's the there is a little bit of an illusion at the moment mm. that like there's a big panic, there's a shortage, and rightfully it's making people nervous, you know, about mm. moving. I totally understand that. Um, I think. A lot of that is firstly is knowing what you're offering. So we're lucky that we have a, a full compensation team here that look and that every quarter mm. release new data for the market. And we're lucky that we're looking to pay in the sort of in a higher percentile bracket right, okay. on yeah. pay. That sounds like quite a, a straightforward thing. Oh, you're going straight to pay. It's more than that. But that's a really important thing I found that that mm. we stay fresh with the market. And it's the business philosophy to, to, to do that. Um, so that's number one, but not all companies can do that. Um, so I think it's also important to think about the offering, but now that comes down to a lot of, it's not good enough anymore just to have, well, we've got a foosball table and we open some mm. beers on a Friday and there's a lunch. Yeah. Day. That's not enough anymore because people have had a taste of that flexibility. And mm. I think that's really, that's something that's really important for people. So I think as companies become, the more restricted they become, you know, yeah. you might have X company, paying one amount, X company paying 20% more, but the first company offers full flexibility and the second one demands mm. people come in a certain time, you'll probably find more people leaning towards that that flexibility. So I think that's one thing um, it is to think about why, you know, why your setup is the way it is and do you need really need that and, and how mm. can you help with that? So I think that's that's the first piece. And then secondly, for, for me with the talent shortages, I'm working at the moment on a program to, to set us for the future. Mm. I don't want to keep smashing our heads on a brick wall going, we need senior talent. We can't find them. Mm. We need senior talent. We can't find them. We, and just doing that over and over and over mm. again. I want to be able to set us in a way so that right, we're going to say that for the next 18 months, two years, but in, in 18 months, two years, suddenly we've got a, a load of really strong talent that we've brought through an academy, through an apprenticeship, mm. through a graduate, whatever you know, joint early career scheme we come up with. And then we're set for the future. And I think that's how we would address that talent fall. That's how I would look at doing that um, right now. Um, because the, the pool is short. No matter what you do, you're still, some, some companies won't be able to grow as quickly as they want. That's right. And it's just, it's, it's a good, before we move into that, because I think it's a really interesting point, you know, mm. you obviously talk there about the market for mm. technology, right? You, you could have been working for any type of software company or probably yeah. any company looking for IT people. How do you think it does change? I mean, what, what does change within the gaming industry, do you think, that, that, that sets it apart? I think, again, it's that slightly sometimes, I don't want to stereotype, but narrower view on where we're going to look. It's a smaller yeah. pool. It's a more trodden pool. 
Um, you know, a lot of companies will say, well, hey, we're, especially with console games, you know, they're working on the latest, latest technology, ray tracing, whatever, every, everything, you know, all bells and whistles. We're making a triple A yeah. title. And some programmers will only know that, you know, those graphical, that, sorry, the capability to make those sort of graphical things. You can tell I'm not technical. It's a terrible isn't yeah. it? AI programming, <laughs> whatever, you know, um, and they will say, so there are only you know, I've worked when, when I had my, my own agency, I'd have companies mm. saying these 10 companies are the only 10 that we really value and think people can work from. Mm. And, and I know other tech orgs do that, but I don't think to the same extent where it's just so specific mm. where you're coming to with short lists of like, well, here's the 50 people that can do this job in the world. Yeah. I've approached them all. This is how many have got back. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> um, mm. What do you want me to do? And I think that can be a slight difference in gaming. I think another difference in gaming as well, for example, when I worked in e-learning or email marketing, mm. um, it was more down to the offer. Oh, you're offering more, mo more money? Great. You know, mm. e email marketing is email marketing software. I don't really care where I work, but I do care about my pay and, and, and everything. Yeah. In gaming, the, the, the actual games you make have a big difference. So some people will, you know, play uh, the Call of Duty their whole lives growing up, and that's the game they want to work on. So it doesn't matter yeah. what other studios offer. They don't want to play those games. They want to work mm. on Call of Duty. So there really is a brand loyalty that can be quite different to being in tech. I know other tech firms, you know, people will, you know, they're Googlers for life. Yeah, or, or, you know, whatever. But in gaming, that can be a huge thing where it doesn't even matter what's being offered. They want to work on a particular game. And that, mm. that that's a big challenge as well. And I guess it's that in some ways, you know, because it is the creative industry as well, right? Mm. You know, and, and you actually read like this, this guy developed this, this game or this mm. person developed this game. And you can actually, the people actually become like rock stars, don't they? They're, they're the band, right? So, you know, they become yes. famous. And it's not often you mm -hmm. can be a, like a, a famous computer programmer, really, is it? You know, but when you, no. they're, they're known, like I did this game or this team did mm -hmm. this game. You know, there's, there's a real, there's a real kind of celebrity status sometimes, isn't there? It's amazing. I mean, we had a programmer we bought into another studio previously mm. who'd uh, made a series of games for the Mega Drive, the kind of late 80s, early 90s. And people oh, were coming up to me and going, I can't believe I'm meeting you in person. You're like one of yeah. my heroes. It's pretty, you know, <laughs> and this is someone that was coming to work as a dev, but had in the past worked on amazing games that you know mm. we'd, a lot of us had played growing up. So it is amazing. It's like you said, some of these like, like rock stars, you know, some of these names, which is it's amazing. It's really mm. great to kind of be in that. That's well, I guess it's quite good for headhunting because you can go through the games credits and like, oh, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know? it's terrible when, you, when you're in this space, you play a game and you finish it and you're looking and then suddenly as soon as it comes up the programming team, right, right. Right. <laughs> take screenshots. Well, <laughs> it's harder to do that in corporate tech. And then, so I think, you know, therefore I'm assuming that, you know, EVP itself, you know, employee value pro pro proposition or, uh, is such an important thing for you. And I guess that links into the games, but also into the culture. So, so how do you, how do you get that out there? How do you, how, how do you set yourself apart? So that's a real challenge for us. Um, cause with a traditional game, I'm going to take, uh, I, I won't name a game actually, mm -hmm. but let's say, you know, a big title, the consumer brand and the employee brand are the same. You know, any right. marketing they do for that game also draws the people that would want to work on that game too. Yeah. Um, and that works really well. So their branding team is almost, it's, and, and again, branding and employee, it's all one thing. Mm -hmm. I get that it's, it's entwined, but really with gaming, that can be the case. So if you're working in a AAA studio, mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll name a game. So for example, Grand Theft Auto, right? Rockstar, yeah. a lot of their branding they do for that game. People will think, I want to work for that game. 
aka I want to mm. work on Rockstar. Some of the challenges we have with some of our titles that the games are um, our, our employer brand and consumer brand are different. Um, mm. So the, the people that play the games, I wouldn't want to work on games. It's, they're a lot more casual games, for example. Yeah. Again, slightly stereotyping is just what we find from sort of the data and the branding. Or um, the the games themselves aren't really tied to us. We've not a good, done a good job at tying to our studio, our name. Right. So they're actually like people yeah. go, I know this game. I know Lightning Link, the game. Yeah. I know, um, you know, um, I, I know this game, but mm. I don't know the studio. So then that's right, a different okay. brand. So then we have to come and almost sort of reintroduce ourselves as a new entity. I think what makes it slightly different for us as well, though, is that we do hire people from outside of gaming, especially at Pixel United. We're actually yeah. we're mainly corporate functions. So we have mainly people from outside of gaming. It's only really myself and a couple of others that have worked in that space. So then again, that the branding we're going through at the moment, the challenge we're having, we're, we're working with a partner is to say, we, you know, actually we're not going down the route that you would for a normal gaming company. We almost want to have, wherever you're from come here do you want to work in gaming and this is why gaming is interesting this is yeah, why it's yeah, an exciting yeah, sector yeah, to work yeah. in so i think it depends how you're linked for a standard game studio it's it's amazing branding i mean you've got mm. all of the characters you could use when i used to work yeah. at mediatonic it's like here's here's your branding guidelines you're like wow there's really cool characters the yeah. colors are amazing <laughs> i can be really creative mm. you really you're not held back as in obviously mm. with corporate usually you have to be a little bit more careful so um yeah and that's a yeah. roundabout way but i think Branding in the games industry can be really exciting because you're working with amazing content, um, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you kind of think about those games and links, how they're much yeah. they're linked to those studios and how you can use that. I think, you know, but I think what's, what's important to kind of take there is when we talk about talent, when we talk about, you know, we've talked here about, you know, how to find a solution, how to run the process to make it good. And now we're talking about EVP. This is the sort of thing that every talent solutions person should be thinking about. Every everyone that's thinking about talent should be thinking about these things, right? You know, it's uh, it should be front and center in your mind. Like, how do I make my company stand out from the rest of the companies? Definitely, it's and it's it's so challenging because it's mm. such a noisy space you're operating in, especially if you're yeah. working. I mean, working in other industries I've been in, it was so challenging. It was so yeah. difficult, and you really had to focus on what was it that made us special? What was it that made us unique? It's very, yeah. you know, it's a big challenge. And I think as well, you get something on the kind of social media side as well. So there's social media, and, and that sort of thing. One of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, obviously, is to kind of, you know, you know, help people understand GCS and help people understand yeah. Pixel as well. But when you talk about noisy, and I know for myself, you see all the time you know, other companies doing other things, right? So then you're looking to follow or do you follow? Cause that's, you know, yep. you know, do you, do you have a kind of a, a social kind of strategy yourself? Do you think about that? Is that something that's part of your remit? So I think a good, one of our business units, um, product mm -hmm. madness. So I worked there before I came into this sort of yeah, parent, so, parent company. Yeah. I would definitely recommend looking at their social channels because they've done an amazing job with that. Sure. I think, um, not just biased because, because I was there, but mm. They're, the marketing team they have now, they're now, if you go onto any of their channels, you'll really get a feel for who Product Madness are and what they do. It's a very mm. authentic way of doing it. It's it, A lot of it is taken live from employees that are there, the parties mm. they have, the socials, but also just a normal day in the life. Um, and I, I think that that really works well. And, and if through LinkedIn, it will be maybe a bit more professional, mm. but still have that real fun and, and energy that they have. Um, and then maybe more towards careers. But if you look on Instagram, you'll get a feel like you feel like you're in the office. Uh, they've even started looking at TikTok now. 
I'm, yep. I'm a bit of a granddad with these things. I'm always like, oh, TikTok, why is anyone mm. using that? Because personally, I don't like it. But for a lot of gaming brands, it's essential. It's a really important and a really good way, uh, a good yeah. tool to use. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to, to, to have that plan. So we're forming ours at Pixel at the moment. We're quite a new, uh, Pixel United at the moment. We're, yeah. we're at the start of that process. If you look at our social media content, you'll really start to now get a feel for who we are. But we're mm. at the start of that journey. There's still a lot more to do. And actually, that's what part of what I'm building at the moment is that calendar for the rest of the year. What events have we got coming up that we can share? And mm -hmm. how do we really show who we are? Because, yeah, going on a website, people know you're going to put your best foot forward, right? Mm. You know, on a website, no one's going to put, hey, come here, you'll have a pretty good time. We're all right. Yeah, it's um, all right. You're probably yeah. quite happy. Like, you know, you're yeah. going to put, you, you know, and I think well, people are like aware the tr of The well. truth, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, potentially, right, in, in a lot of places. But I really feel we have a lot of really unique things to shout about but but just putting it on a site and saying we're this that and the other mm. the proof's kind of in the pudding but having those sort of social channels to show what you're doing you can almost be like in the room with those people that that's quite powerful i think that that works yeah. really well and then i think another thing is obviously the the interesting ways that you know people that look at the website people that kind of interact with your social media and then for us it's like okay so that person's engaged now but they might not have done anything so, it's, yep. so now how am I going to reach out to this person who's just had a look at my company and yeah, and then try to engage them? Because I think, I've, you know, one of the things that when we talk about solutions, people don't, is, is the proactive nature of how proactive you have to be about this. I mean, I think you've been a recruitment center before. This is one of the things that people discover to their, you know, chagrin about recruitment is that you actually have to go looking for it a lot. Yes. <laughs> nobody just calls you in with a job no no candidate really applies so you've got to go searching you know and i think that's one of the interesting things about social media is that how do you turn that you know like or view into engagement into a potential yeah interview it, it can it can also work really well for people that have kind of engaged um, or are about to be in process, you've approached, mm. the first thing they often do will go, well, let's have a look at your LinkedIn, let's have a look at your website, let's have a look at your social yeah, yeah, media. Yeah. Mm. So it can be that kind of good hook. But yeah, I, I like in what you're saying, a lot of it is hooking, it, it's, it's attraction, right? Um, yeah. It's, it, it's and, and but through that attraction, it's physically going out and speaking to, it's the outreach first to, to attract those mm. people. Um, so actually attraction is not the right word, it's outreach almost. Mm. Um, but uh, I remember when I first, my first boss in recruitment, when he interviewed me and he said, you know, what do you think recruitment is? And I was like, oh, it's, um, you know, people phone you for a job and you go and find one. And he went, no, yeah, yeah. we have jobs. <laughs> you find the people for these jobs. That's the recruitment cycle. And I think that, that's, that is the he way. Sounds it sounds quite aggressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to say, yeah, he was, he was really good. Uh, definitely kind of open my eyes to how, how the space works. But um, I think it'd be nicer to move to this area where we are attracting people when you have got that kind of mm. natural draw that's where we all want to get to but that's yeah that's the challenge yeah. and that's you know that's the, that's the the goal as it were i'm just one of the things i was setting all to this is obviously pixel is a and and the brands it works with is international um do you see different countries different locations different cultures having different ways of advertising finding bringing in talent yeah definitely every country mm. is different and i think the, the, the way to understand the market is to speak to the people that work there. So when we've built our teams in these regions, you know, we, we listen to them. 
recruiters know the best way to find people because they want to, right? You want to do it in the quickest and easiest way. You want to fill those roles. So um, it's really important to listen to the people on the ground and to not just expect that there's one system, there's one way, and that's how we work. Um, you know, we have an ATS we use globally. We use Workday. And we have a set, pretty set process that works globally, which is great. But there are nuances in different countries. Uh, for example, in Ukraine, it's you know you're like a footballer on day one. You come into the office, you're given your contract, and you sign it on day one. You know you don't see it before then, and, and you sign that. So when we were trying to have a process where the contract has to be signed before an employee can come in and be set up, that didn't work, and we had mm. to flex there because that's not how that that country works. And that's uh, important. I think is to be to, having a global process is great. And it, it's good. It means you can, you know, really look at where you're growing, where your challenges are, the data works, but you've got to have flex as well. Um, and that's what we found, you know, for example, in Poland, we're, where we're growing, we're looking to grow permanent talent. But in Poland, a lot of people don't want to be. They want to have these sort of contract agreements. So we had to flex in a way that we have these people on contract agreements, but still are in effect permanent. You know, they have full access. They have all the benefits. Um, so that's I, I think you know, from a recruitment side is listening to the people on the ground. And even sometimes some of these things can sound quite far-fetched. Mm. That's trusting those people and trusting that's how that region works. I think it's, it's having that sort of local knowledge is the most mm. important thing. And often actually reaching out to a company, you know, such as yourself that's, that's in that region and saying, yeah. how did, you know, asking those questions can work really well uh, as well. But, but yeah, it's to speak to experts, not think you can just Google it, even going mm. to a kind of a consultancy. Uh, I think you're better off, you know, to speak to recruitment professionals on the ground. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I guess that links into in some ways, you know, having the people internally or dealing with consultancies. So you mentioned Workday, you know, then there's obviously, a, do you have people running the Workday for you or do you have a, an SI or something like that? You know, is that a conversation you're involved with or, or do you, and if yeah. you are involved with it, how do you make those type of decisions? Like it's better to use a company to do this than have our own yes, stuff. It's I suppose with, you know, with, with um, part of my role is looking at how we utilize Workday and the, the processes of that globally as well. Um, but when we're looking at a new region, um, I'm, I've been lucky to be a part of that process as well. Um, yeah. I'm lucky to work in a business that trusts us to, to kind of find these locations yeah, and to good. trust that data. Yeah. I also work with an amazing strategy team um, that they've come up with data and insights that I've, I've never seen before. You know, usually before I've worked with great tools like LinkedIn insights and LinkedIn, which mm. is a fantastic tool for looking yeah, at like yeah. talent pools. It really is. It's great. I, I'm, you know, a lot of people like to be quite negative, but I, I think it's a good tool, but the, the insights this team have come up with have been incredible and they've really helped us make, um, informed decisions about where we should go next. So what countries are right for us? We want to grow globally. Um, so where, how do we do that? Where should we go next? Why should we go there? And it's more than just the talent pools or, and the costs. You know, some region you look and you go, wow, cheap talent, big pool. This looks amazing. And then it's like, but it's actually really hard to do business there. Or mm. um, there's this, you know, the communication skills aren't there for whatever reason. Or um, just that, you, yeah, you can't do business there. You can't hire there. You can't work. There's lots mm. of so many things to think about. Um, and, and vice versa, you know, there's some regions that look expensive, but yet there are really big incentives to go and work there. Um, so that's kind of really helped us is to have that more sort of data driven approach. Yeah, 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 I think that's good. I mean, one thing I remember about Poland was always made me laugh is we do quite a lot of work in Poland um, through our Krakow office. And it mm. seems to me to be, and we work with many companies, is they must have a gym card. Right. This is something that they've, like they re really care about it. I was like, really? Like, I know you, you have to offer them a gym card. 
I have to offer Polish people gym card because they won't take the job otherwise. I'm like, well, why? <laughs> but yeah, every every company I've done, and if we work with payroll solutions providers, you know, you've got to put the gym card on there. Okay, all right, we'll make sure. Very, very healthy nation, if you know what I mean. But that's just, I mean, that's just a silly example of the things that every single country does it differently. And yeah. that's, that's mad, isn't it? When you think about it, it's like nobody... And even like we go to the states, like all, every single state does it differently. Then nobody has the same idea about how to employ permanent staff, how to employ temporary staff, how to work with workers. It's all different, isn't it? it yeah, exactly that. And, um, <laughs> I think sometimes tools like LinkedIn can give us this sort of false sense of kind of oh, it's just the same. I'll, I'll use my mm. same process. But it, you're right. It's, you, you, everything everywhere is different, and it's really important to kind of listen. And to, yeah. to go and learn that way through the people that, that know it, that, that will be there and they, you know, they work, work in that market. Yeah. So, you know, looking forward to the kind of the year ahead, which is obviously going to be a big one for Pixel United. Sounds like you've got some interesting projects going on. Um, what, what are your key priorities? Honestly, it's the looking at the EVP. You know, you mentioned mm. that. And the first example I gave you is for, through one of the business units. So we need, to, I want us to get, to get there. I want to be next, you know, we're talking again next year or, you know, whatever mm. that I can really, um, give a bit more of a concise answer around what, what our employer brand is and what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're through that, we're working through that project now. It's really exciting, really interesting. Mm. And, and actually we're learning a lot about ourselves and, you know, what are our values? Mm. What is it that makes us unique? What is it that's that, you know, why we think people should work here and why we enjoy working here. Mm. And what's great is, you know, we've, we've done a lot of interviews with employees and taken feedback from them. And it's that feedback that we're using to power the, the brand. We want it to be authentic. You know, it's all very well us coming up with, oh, this will sound good, but it has to be authentic. And that's something that we've really, really pushed on. So I'm really excited for that. Um, for me, after that, it's really looking at kind of how we work together as a global organization. Um, I want to look more at the the future talent piece as well. Um, I want us to be a gaming studio that goes beyond just demanding those same sort of requirements. Everyone has to go to XYZ University through these same channels. Mm. I want to broaden what we do. Uh, I think that's really important as we grow. Um, so this future talent piece is important for me. I've been mm. looking at building an academy, a Pixel United Academy, and, and I hope that's something that we get to to kind of put into place in the in the really near future, and I think that could that could really set us apart uh, from our competitors. That goes with the kind of the football kind of team name and the academy. Exactly. You know, right. Yeah, that, that, I, can, I can see some good some good branding coming out of that, can't you? Exactly. you know? yeah. <laughs> One of the best academies out there. And and do you think that will feed into the the diversity question that we talked about right at the top of the, the conversation? Yes, definitely. Because mm. if we're if as an industry we're demanding certain things and we're only fishing in the same pools. The pool is not diverse. So mm. Yuki are the, uh, an organization in the UK. They're a games body. They're a fantastic organization that brings the games industry together. And they mm. ran a survey in the industry and, and the, the, the outcomes were quite alarming, really. One of those being, you know, the diversity makeup of the games industry, only 2% mm. of people are black in the games industry. So mm. as though we're an industry that likes to scream and not scream and shout, but we like to be quite vocal about, yeah, it's, you know, it's a really diverse, diverse place to work. That's yeah. just not true. And we're mm. diverse in certain ways, but not in others. And that's not enough. So we can keep 
fishing in these same pools and demanding these same things and then we'll get the same results funnily enough yeah sure we can yeah. put quotas onto our hiring but the pool isn't there so we either won't hire or we'll, we'll skew our hiring that's and i i don't believe that's the way to do it i think we need to be more brave than that i think we need to um work harder than that and look at future talent bring people in from other spaces other industries other ways of thought mm. do we have to have everyone coming in with a degree um i think again a good example would be with our quality assurance team um we had uh uh in one of the, the companies i was at we had a, a director that said i only want people with degrees that work here mm. um but then had a cousin who needed a job who didn't have a degree actually mm. you know worked in like a theme park came in and is probably one of the best QA people they had at that business. Um, they came in and yeah. absolutely smashed it out of the park, worked really, really hard. Mm. And then I, then finally I could sit with them and say, right, we're going to get rid of that degree bar now. Let's, let's do things differently. And I think we can do that. I think we can be more brave than people think with the space that we have. Um, so for me, that's, that is the, the, the way that we should move forward to actually try and solve the problem we have with diversity because it is a problem. And, and just sort of talking about it, writing job specs in a slightly different way and doing the odd sort of PR event here and, here and there isn't going to do it. So I, that's yeah. why I want to push us. I want to actually make a difference and actually make a change. And again, going back to EVP, that's the sort of thing that reflects well, that, that shows you're a, a different type of organization. So it has a, yeah. is a, is a kind of wider context. And I guess when we're talking about the gaming industry by diversifying the people within it, that also diversifies types of games, different types of ideas coming in, you know, and that can only be good for the gaming industry, right? Because totally, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, you don't have to go very far back where every main character in every game looks the same and every sort of, mm. you know, you don't have to go very far back and, and we're, yeah. we're, we're getting better, but you're right. The, the more diverse the space we work in, the Street more Fighter, diverse. Street Fighter was quite diverse, Jay. There's quite a lot of different people in Street Fighter. That was it, early, early, early 90s. You know, that was, um, I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of games. Well, because they all came from different countries, didn't they? So, <laughs> so they were forced to. That's right. They'd gone with the map idea. That was the problem. But I think, uh, yeah, that's that's really, um, and, and we'll we'll get there. But that's 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 why I think it's, it's so important. Yeah, and um, I think you know, for myself, you know, you can see it happening in other creative industries, can't you? Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at gaming, yeah. like it's like the film industry, it's like the music industry, yep. and obviously you've seen so much with things like the Grammys and the Brits mm -hmm. and you know, and so much kind of, you know, trying to make these things more diverse, I guess, because the people in it are less visible straight away, aren't they? You know, you don't see that, you see those games, but you don't really know who those people are. But I think you've got to look at it in the same way, haven't you? Who's producing this content that we enjoy, you know, and is it is it a diverse reflection of our society? So, so yeah, I guess you've, you've got to, as well as trying to hire and, you know build your business you've also got a kind of social duty haven't you jake i think so yeah in gaming we should definitely <laughs> see it as that <laughs> yeah fantastic good stuff um so, so it's been great to speak to you today and yeah it's been really uh, an enjoyable uh conversation you know and I, I definitely it sounds like you've got a really important year coming up you know and, and lots of solutions to come up with but uh but but thank you very much jake and it's been a, a great conversation no, thank you. I really appreciate the time. It was a really great speaking with you. Mm -hmm.